I'd like you to do something for me. I'd like you to take in a breath and then let it out. Take it in and let it out. Simple thing, isn't it? Most of the time we don't think about doing that during the day unless obviously we have some respiration problem where it's painful and we're conscious of it. Scientists say that we breathe up to 17 to 30,000 times in one day depending on our physical makeup, our age, and other things that have to do with it. We breathe. It keeps our physical bodies alive. And if we stop breathing, there's a word for that. Dead. That's simple. Unnoticed, but so important to our lives. Today we begin a three-part mini-series on what is known as the solas, the alones that came out of the Reformation, kind of foundational things that Christendom holds to. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone. Those things that were being lost before the Reformation that were made clear again by Luther and by his followers and brought back to light for the church to survive, for the church to breathe. You know, we are faced with problems today that aren't new, problems that have been going on. But problems in our society seem so prevalent and we wonder what people can do. They're turning to all different areas and all different places for things like people who are no longer interested in a resurrection, or people who have no interest in what the Scriptures have to say, people who are terrified of death and at the end and don't want to grow older, people who are worried about end-of-life issues and the quality of life, people that stockpile wealth throughout our country and they're greedy, and people who are hopeless, and people who are afraid. And I guess the question we should ask this morning is, does the Bible have something to say in answer to those problems, as it always has had something to say. But maybe what we really need to ask is this. Excuse me. (coughs) Does God have words? Does God have a voice? Does God still speak? The answer is yes. We talk about all the time that we have a relationship with our eternal God, a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. And the key to any relationship, as anyone knows, as Pastor Mark and I deal with counseling couples as we go through things, is that communication is so important in any of those relationships. You know, when my kids were younger, they used to watch a movie that was called Little Manhattan. It was a story about some young kids on their first date. And in that movie, the parents of the little boy were getting divorced. Excuse me just a minute. (coughs) I'm still dealing with the cough from last week. The parents of the little boy were getting divorced. And near the end of the movie, as that separation begins to happen, the little boy asks the question to his dad. He says, well, Dad, why is it that you and Mom are separating? And Dad said, well, I think it's a lot of years of Things that were not said and silence that was left. And the little boy, like any little boy, would said back to his dad, well then, why don't you just say something, dad? Well, the dad listened to that, and at the end of the movie, you see 
in behind the scenes, the mom and dad beginning to talk, to communicate again. And that relationship being restored once again. So it is with us and our relationship with our God. <coughs> Communication is so necessary in all that we do. We know how we communicate with our God. It's through prayer. And we also know how our God communicates to us. He communicates to us. He speaks to us through His words, through His gifts to us, through our baptism, through the Lord's Supper. Timothy says to his son in the faith, Paul says to Timothy, his son in the faith today, in the words that you heard in the epistle, Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed. That word is unique in Greek. It's the only place that it occurs in Scripture. You're going to get to say it this morning. The word is theonoustos. Say that with me. Theonoustos. God breathed. That God has truly breathed into His Word. Breathed life. Breathed hope. Breathed salvation into it. And as I said at the beginning... In our lives, in our physical lives, as we draw breath and exhale, what happens to us if that stops? Well, we die. Well, the same thing happens to us in our spiritual life. If we stop breathing in that Word of God that gives us life. You see, if we say that it is God's breathed Word, breathed by His life and His salvation, then I guess the question would be, then why is it in our world with all the problems that we have talked about, why is it that the world so little wants to hear then what the Scriptures have to say? And I wonder sometimes maybe it's been our approach to things. Maybe sometimes the way that we have handled the Word of God out there in the world's sphere. For a lot of times I think we've leveled it up with other things that are out there that people are looking for. We've treated the Bible like a self-help book. We've said, well, maybe on page 1029, it'll tell you how to fix that situation in your life. Or maybe we've treated it like a legal text and said, well, verse 45 is a refutation for that societal problem. We've leveled it out there with other things and other writings, and people just seem to think, well, that's your choice. Why should I listen to what you have to say? rather than to see the brilliance of what God has breathed into His Word. How those holy scriptures were written for us, for our edification, for our strengthening, for the growth, for the sustaining of our faith, and for the hope that we have. Or maybe it's just the problem that the church's message on the scripture over the years since the Reformation has simply become unclear. I want you to see a slide because I want to look at three different aspects of Scripture and what you would find out there in all of Christendom. You see those three different things of Scripture over reason, reason over Scripture, and Scripture and reason. And I want to explain those and talk about the results of those different teachings and no wonder it's so confusing to our world. First of all, that Scripture over reason. This is the idea that when you come in, you check your reason at the door. There is no place for reason in the church. There is only the Word of God and the way it's taught. There is no asking why. There is no questioning. It's simply this way. And if you don't believe it, too bad. There's the door. Get out. 
It ignores the wisdom of God that the Scriptures talk about. That He would speak to us in many varied ways. That because our God is wisdom, He uses literature and He uses different types and forms and poetry and hyperbola and prose. He uses human language to convey His message to us. Because He wants it to be clear. He wants us to understand it. And this method of Scripture over reason results in what we would call literal interpretations. You remember this summer when we talked about that passage in the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus saying, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your right eye offends you, pluck it out. A literal interpretation would be, do it. Do that if it's causing you to sin. That's the way it should be. Those are the type of things. Severe punishment, purification for sin. It results in legalism. You must do this. You must wear this color. You must shun outsiders. You must abstain from different foods and things. Science has no voice in this place in explaining the wonders of God's creation. It even goes so far as to saying using medicines and technology and other things are evil and are sinful. The scriptures say that. Don't rationalize it. And you wonder why people might not want to hear that interpretation of Scripture out in the world. Well, let's look at the next one, reason over Scripture. This is even as deadly as the first one. Because this is the one that has to do with looking at the Scriptures as simply another in ancient text. That the people who wrote this were primitive people. They were superstitious people. We, of course in the 21st century, are enlightened people. We, of course, have science and technology. We know none of these things could ever exist. It's just a book. God doesn't speak. Miracles can't happen. I want to give you a concrete example of that. At the turn of this century, the American Bible Society had a conference on how to use the world in the 21st century, and there was a session there on the authority of scriptures that many varied professors from different denominations spoke on. Two professors levied some quotes on the Bible and on its authority, and they said this, the Bible is not essential for critical reflection. In the end, I don't attach much authority to it other than some historical value. One of the other professors said this, biblical authority needs to be exploded. Sola scriptura, that cry of the Reformation, can only get us in trouble today. God does not speak, God does not care, God does not do, and isn't even real. Again, why would anybody then want to look to the scriptures? And then there's the third one. Scripture and reason. It comes to us from a time that we all know in the history of Lutheranism, a time when Martin Luther had to stand before the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V at the Diet of Worms. He'd asked for 24 hours to compose a reply of whether or not he would recant his teachings. I want you to follow along with that quote on the screen. As Luther said this back, Since then, your majesty and your lordships desire a simple reply. I will answer without horns and without teeth. Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, 
I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they contradict each other often. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Scripture and simple reason. Luther wasn't being stubborn. He didn't have some grand view of a reformation where his name would be lauded and there would be writings by him and people would go on to celebrate years ahead. What he had realized as he read the Scripture is that God indeed speaks. The Word is a revelation and an encounter with the very living God. He created us with minds and intellects. And He speaks to all of those things in our lives. Scripture and reason. It means that it is a book that can be challenged. That you can say why. It can be investigated. It can be examined. It will withstand all of those things. Ask a man like Lee Strobel who hated it and did all of those and found out that Word of God to be true. It means that God conveys to us in intelligent ways, in languages, in human languages. He conveys literature and styles and times and places. And what that means is that God is involved in His creation. He simply didn't just make it and step away. He stays involved in our lives every day and every moment, speaking to us of His will, of His ways of what He is about. You see, God wants us to understand always the complexity of what He had to do throughout that whole book from beginning to end as it weaves through history the story of salvation for this world. Salvation won for us by our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in the Lutheran Church, we use some phrases that have to do with Scripture and reason. We say that the Bible is the sole norm, meaning the only norm of our doctrine and our teaching. It's the litmus test for us. That as we teach and we confess things, we go back to this book to make sure that we are in order with what it has to teach. That it is the authority. It means it settles our disputes for us. When we don't agree, when we can't come to a consensus, we go to the Word. And if it doesn't speak clearly, we rest it there. It also means that it is the source and that apart from it, we do not decide things and we do not make things. It means all of Scripture has to agree. We don't simply look at a passage, take it out of that context and say, here's the teaching, here's the will of God, especially if we find other places in Scripture that there are other confessions and other teachings that God has made and the preponderance seems to be this way. We look at all of it. We use our reason to understand those things. We look at what has been written and how it was applied in its day. We don't take opinions as Scripture or opinions as doctrine or opinions as things that we follow. Whether it's Pastor Mark's or mine, whether it's a seminary prof, whether it's a synodical president, those are opinions. Our job is to always say whatever we teach if we cannot show you back into Scripture, then we are wrong and you hold to Scripture. 
Why is it so important, especially in our day and age, that we convey a clear message on this God-breathed Scripture, that it is the voice of God speaking to us still, giving us His will, giving us all that we need in this life? Because if Scripture has no place, no voice in the world stage today, then the world will never hear of truth and of hope of forgiveness, and of life, in the name of Jesus who came to redeem this world. If we do not have a place for Scripture today and hold it dearly and understand that our message must be clear and true and agree with it, then our world is lost. God breathed into this world that we might be able to take in that word and breathe it also. And as I said, if we stop breathing, then we're what? We're dead. And so is the world. May we ever hold to the Scripture and teach it clearly. May we ever value the breath of God speaking to us in His words and His gifts. May we hold strong always to the teachings that we have received knowing that they are able to give life and hope and salvation. In the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.